0: Since we're getting into detail, let's just officially start and then <laughs> continue. All
1: right. So welcome to episode 69. There. Let's, <laughs> let's make it formal. Um, thank you for waiting a couple weeks. I think this time we're actually on time.
0: Maybe. It's actually, yeah.
1: T- yeah, it's actually two weeks. Uh, we're going to cover, we're going to cover it in more detail. This topic of this interesting, intelligent helmet uh, along the lines of, of Scully. And then uh, I have a few fun topics. I should silence my cell phone as well. Me too. Sorry. Sorry. A couple uh, stories and discussion points that I wanted to talk about was a a Reddit thread that I commented on. Um, I thought we could provide just some quick feedback for this person. And then uh, also I bought a Garmin so I wanted to talk about that and we have a reader question too about GPS and traveling and routes and all that good stuff and then we also are going to discuss um, the,
0: the brake light uh, recommendation from Cam. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, a really cool product recommendation from our friend uh, Cam and then World well, uh, gonna...
0: Superbike, Modal oh, America that's Racing
1: That's right. We skipped. or World Tour Bike happened while we were gone. That's right. So there's some sad news on that end as well.
0: On the actual Moto America front from that. Yeah.
1: And then um, I just want to talk a little bit about my accident and um, kind of what you can do or, you know, if you're going through post-accident trauma and you're having a hard time riding again or being comfortable again, I, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about that. So that's what I have in my corner. Oh, There's
0: okay. a Yamaha Recall mm-hmm. and Enerhica, I think is how you say it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure um, the pronunciation, mm-hmm. since it's Italian, actually. Um, yeah, that sounds right. They uh, will be featured at Hollywood Electrics, so local shop. Uh, will be carrying the brand. And, yeah, I mean, apart from my ride up and just the weekend in general, and what's in store next that's pretty much all i got all
1: right so why don't we talk a little bit about and kind of finish our conversation about this helmets
0: well officially i wouldn't include what we talked about before because my brain is turned (laughs) off until i hear 69 and then boom moving forward
1: okay so we'll start over (laughs) So I got a message on Facebook from a woman who's the CEO of a new company, a little startup. I think it's based in Virginia or North Carolina or somewhere on the East Coast. I I can't remember. And they're trying to prototype and develop a brand new intelligent helmet. We'll post a link to this. They have an Indiegogo campaign going. They also have um, a survey about helmets, I guess. Oh, boy. Siri, be quiet they have a they She have wants
0: a, to join in right
1: I didn't even touch the phone I don't know what's going on so she sent me a survey that's a kind of a broad survey about helmets I haven't taken it myself she would love for anyone to fill it out regardless what your opinions are negative or positive about this smart helmet there's a little video um, in the link we're gonna share that just shows you all these fun features that are on this helmet, and and what it's all about. It's, it's basically they're trying to create something, create a helmet that um, eliminates the need for a rider to check their blind spot. Which, sure, I, I guess, in a perfect world, it'd be nice if you could see around you all the time. And that's certainly a limitation of riding a motorcycle. And so they have a survey set up with some different questions, I guess, about you know, what, maybe whether you think this is a good idea or or, or feedback, I guess. I haven't actually mm-hmm. gone through it quite yet.
0: But- yeah, j- just looking at the site and kind of the little pictures that she has mm-hmm. um, of what it would look like as the rider looking out ahead of you, I think I would benefit from having, like, hey, eyes on the back of your head and, you know, maybe eyes on either side of you. However, though, I would not market it as a reason to not look on either side of you because no matter how sophisticated any technology whether you're on four wheels or two i would still turn my head that you know Mm -hmm. but i can appreciate being able to you know not having to look down and look at your mirrors but looking Mm -hmm. ahead at the same time having a window of what's going on behind you or to your side because that you know like our last conversation from 68 that's also helpful
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, riding for such for a while now, pretty much train yourself to use your peripheral vision to do your head checks, and time those, I think in an ideal world, sure, it'd be neat to have uh, something to assist you, so that you don't have to worry about checking um, your blind spots. However, there's a price to that. It's, uh, I'm sure there's a high price point. I think there would also certainly be an added weight factor to all the technology that's thrown into this helmet. Mm -hmm. And um, personally, I am not a fan of any helmet that weighs anywhere close to four pounds. I have a very small head. I have an extra small head. And when your head is that small or even a small, anything at four pounds is just, it's tiring. And it's not something you want to wear for more than, I'd say, 20 minutes riding for any period of time. And I like to do all day riding. I like to go out for at least six hours. And there's no way that my neck and my head is going to be happy with me with a four pound helmet. Because now I've got a three pound, five ounce helmet, five and a half ounces in my showy because it's an extra small. I'm not willing to sacrifice any of that for that. But personally speaking, I only wear Snell helmets now. I've, I've I've made a shift and I've decided for myself that I want that protection and I believe in it. You may not, not everybody does, but I've seen what they can do and I'm definitely a proponent of a Snell helmet. And there's no way in hell a Snell helmet or that helmet will ever, ever meet a Snell standard due to all the things they're going to probably put in it. Or it would be tremendously difficult, I think, to meet those standards. So for me, Nah, I'm not going to I I'm okay. I'm I'm fine without it. But if it's something that intrigues you, check it out, fill out the survey, put all your comments in there and give them some feedback.
0: Yeah, I mean there's there's utility to it. Am I going to rush mm-hmm. out and get it? No. But I no. can, you know, I wouldn't market it as something where it it eliminates anything, any mm-hmm. of your typical safeguards because, you know, mm-hmm. there's only there's only so much a mirror can do for you. That's why you still turn your head when you, you know, merge to your left or merge to your right. You're, mm-hmm. You never want to depend 100% on your mirrors as a driver, let alone mm-hmm. um, a motorcyclist.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But I certainly appreciate the, you know, the point they're trying to make of safety. They're trying, they're, yeah. they are trying to make a safer helmet. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Throw in some comments. Check out the video. Um, so speaking of riding long distance and wanting something comfortable for a day ride, I did, and <laughs> I finally broke down and I bought a garment and I want to share this link because it's actually a really good deal at better by the way. Um, I'm just going to check and see if it's still available because the Groupon had a major sale had major sale on the Garmin Zumo six sixty. It... Zumo is the motorcycle one. Yep, they're still available.
0: Was it refurbished? Nope. Really?
1: And it comes wow. with lifetime map updates.
0: Wow. Beat because... Revzilla.
1: Yeah, it beat them a little bit. Um it's because they're coming they're probably there's something else coming. Or the new eight hundred, they have a new one that's Nine hundred dollars, so I don't know if this one's going away because of that one, or if they're going to come out with a six seventy. I don't know, but I couldn't pass it up. Um, I can still I return. I have like a week to return it, so I'm gonna check it out, work, play with it, see what I think of it, and then keep it or send it back. So we'll see. (laughs) Um, But the The main reason I was motivated to buy this particular to buy a Garmin is so that I can, uh, when I make my routes, they're easy to download into the unit, you plug it in your computer, you use the software, you download it into the unit, boom, there's your route in the Garmin, it's ready to give you turn by turn. It's not a 20 step process. It doesn't require me to buy a PC, which is what I would have to do in order to make my phone do that. Um, I've actually figured out several ways to make my phone show the routes that I create, but there's a limitation of GPS, I guess, and these software platforms that limit your ability to get the turn-by-turn turn from the the custom route. So there's a multitude of ways to put your route in the phone. But there is no direct way to get it to give you those directions without these millions of steps in between. And I will share. That, I don't know if we've shared those links before, but there are a couple blogs out there, and then ADB Writer has a thread of "Here's how I did it," and they are just really long and annoying. And so, <laughs> I'm like, screw it. I'm just gonna, you know, my husband said he'd buy it for me, so can't turn that down. Can't turn down <laughs> a free garment. So I'm going to get it. I'll probably still use my phone, though, most of the time, just to, you know, look stuff up. Like, it's way easier to pull out your iPhone and look up Yelp and look for food or, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. I'll still use it. Do they have
0: software where you can plot a root on your phone and then transfer it to Garmin? Nice.
1: Yes. So the way I'm going to get them roots into Garmin is one of two ways. Um, One is using that website, Furcut. And I believe we talked about that in a couple episodes ago. It's f u r k o t.com. It's a trip planning site, regardless if you're bicycling or walking or driving. It's just a way to plan a trip on a map, basically. You know, throw down your hotels and things like that. You can export the file from that site to a Garmin friendly file and then download it to the Garmin using either using the Garmin software or excuse me, using the Garmin software. The other way I can do it is use the Garmin software actually to plan the route, and then plug in the Garmin and boom, it downloads it to the Garmin. So it's a much more straightforward process for me. Um, No PCs required, no crazy, uh, you know, 10 step process. It's just I can use the Garmin software, plug it in. It's ready to roll. So The good news also is I have a RAM mount ready. I need to install it on my bike, and then I just need to buy a little case for the Zumo, and then it'll stick on my handlebar. So, so close. Just so close. (laughs) So, we'll see how that goes. Um, I forgot that we had a reader question regarding that, and I can't remember where that came in.
0: It It was from our feedback from the website. And it was Paul from Sydney, Australia. So howdy howdy in the land of Oz, way down under. I think everyone hates it when we say down under, but Mm -hmm. hopefully not Oz. And I do know the difference between New Zealand and Australia. Hooray! So that's uh, something that (laughs) probably sets me apart from many Americans who sadly confuse (gasps) the two. Or if you're not sure where you're... the person you're talking to is from, don't automatically assume one or the other. I'm sure Paul will listen to this episode and shoot us another email saying, yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, But Paul uh, (laughs) connects from Australia and said that he enjoys our format. mixture of ride gear and industry news uh, works well. And apparently we're the only podcast that talks about MotoGP and World Superbike, but actually we're not. There are a couple other podcasts that actually solely cover yeah uh, world Superbike, and yep. one of them is moto uh well i don't know about world Superbike, but gp for sure one of them's motopod that's right and then the other one um asphalt and rubber has started their own podcast what is it called
1: again well. what is his one called i forgot
0: uh if he did a better job putting it on his website i might be
1: able to... <laughs> um we'll, we'll post links here. to those for sure
0: paddock pass
1: that's it paddock paddock the Paddock Pass Podcast.
0: Okay. That's, that's Jensen's? <laughs>
1: yes. Okay. So we'll definitely yeah. um, put that in. And I've seen actually a couple other random podcasts as well. But yeah, either way, we, we thank you for the, the compliments. Yeah. Um, thank you for the
0: compliment. We never get into any great racing no. detail. Uh, the two that we mentioned will. Yes. So if you're super hungry for yeah. detail, uh, fine detail of race news, Definitely uh, consult Motopod or uh, yes. the Paddock Pass because yep. uh, those guys are going to definitely be more in touch or the most mm-hmm. in touch, actually. I think uh, Jensen's involves um, mm-hmm. uh, the writer of Moto Matters. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head what his name is, but he's also a contributor on Asphalt and Rubber. So, at there any you know. rate, Um, thank you Paul for your kind words and his question was just you know, interested in discussion on creating routes on GPS and how to get them onto the phone or GPS so uh, Zumo Z-U-M-O is what you were talking about? The Garmin, yeah Yeah, I don't know if they're international
1: Well, Garmin, I'm sure you can get Garmins in Australia and then have Australian maps for them I'm I'm almost positive you can Uh Um, but if you don't want to if you want it for bicycling, say, because uh, it, um, no, I'm trying to, re- I used a map and track GPS to motorcycle to Airs Rock, but only an iPhone to bicycle. Okay. So what I was doing before this is um, I had two different things I did. One, I used the FurCot website to plan the route, and then I exported the file to a format that a app that I found called Ozman, and I'll post links to this as well. Ozmand, so OZ, and then I think Ozzy, And then you, I had to open the file in that app and actually it would totally show me my route so I could zoom in on my route. I could see the turns, but there is no way for it to tell me, give me that audio playback of my routes. Um, The second way I was able to do it, or that you can also do it is, again, create the route, and then export the file out either from you can do Google Maps to make your route or the Furcott website, uh, to a format that Navigon will take. There's actually multiple GPS apps that will take various formats from Google and, Nav- um, and the FurCot site. And then you can take those files and import them into these various apps. So just to recap, what I tried was I used Google Maps and FurCot.com to generate the routes, just whatever, I don't know, whatever site I was in the mood to use. And then I exported files that Navigon could read and Osmand could read, and then I could physically see them. But um, even getting personally trying to get routes into Navigon was a pain because I needed a PC and I I'm not buying a PC to do that I just I won't if you have one great then you actually have a way to get your route in there what I would do is spend two hours in front of the computer and manually input my route into this Navigon app so then it would give me the turn by turn But spending two hours to download a map or get a map in there was just killing me. So getting the Garmin is really going to speed that up for me. So I hope that helps. Um, Please feel free to send me an email, gearchick at gmail.com, if you have any questions. And we're going to post a couple of useful links again in this episode to give you some resources that will work for you. And of course, you can buy a Garmin. (laughs) And download the Australia maps into them, use their, web, their software, excuse me, make your route, it, you plug your Garmin to your computer, voila, the unit has your route. So that's the direct, direct way to do it. Um, the other thing I found was that when I was looking for GPS uh, software, there are a ton of ones for cars that are designed for you to use your phone in your car Because you can put your phone up on the dash, right? And then you can tell it to start. um, And it'll follow where you're going. Because I guess GPS apps, what they're for, really is to follow you. So as you go off on your track, it'll follow where you're going, and then map your route. But it won't give you back your route. You know what I mean? It won't give you the the turn by turn as easy. So that's where I'm at. I will certainly update in two weeks after I've used the garmin for a little bit and and hopefully this will be the end of my nightmare um, and thank you for thank you for your email. We uh, hope to hear from you again soon. Mm. so hmm. what.
0: Um okay so I was looking uh <laughs> just messaging Jensen actually saying hey yeah. how come your link to your podcast isn't like right up on your website yeah. and he said it's not ready yet. Oh. So I guess there are some Gorgeous. some GP discussions floating around on the interwebs but he is uh, not officially ready to go so I guess he's oh. kind of keeping it under wraps until it's uh until it's finally polished.
1: But it has a he has a Facebook page. So it's Facebook. Yes. So you
0: can feel <laughs> free to Paddock follow along, stock the podcast. But yeah, the, uh, they're the not. E- uh, the ready episodes to go. are up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Ep- you oh. just said when it's ready, we will. So.
1: <laughs> oh, he must be in the website. But on his Facebook page, he has episode three posted on SoundCloud. So there you yeah. go. You can find it there. Um, maybe he's working on iTunes. It looks like. They're working on iTunes for episode four. So if the first three are on SoundCloud, go over there and I'm and I'm sure you will you will find it. Um. Oh, okay. So I also wanted to bring up this thread very quickly. Um, feel free to, when you're reading this, to um, add your. Feedback for this gal. I think she's getting a lot of really good feedback. But basically, uh Reddit had a on the motorcycle forum. There was a post from a from a new female rider, and she's having some self confidence issues because she's dropping her bike, and she basically is having trouble handling it. And her concern was her weight and her height because she's five six, she's 19, so she's pretty young, and 135 pounds. So she's not really, really small. She's not really, really big. But she's just wondering, like, what do I need to do? And, and I mean, the straightforward answer really is she needs training. She has no formal training. Her dad taught her. But I don't think her dad is an MSF instructor or an instructor, so to speak. So he probably gave her, you know, the finer rudimentary, points. yeah, Yeah, like the basics. Like, here's how you use your clutch. Here's how you accelerate. Here's how you stop. But... It's so much more than that. So this girl needs a class. She needs training to jack up her confidence level, make her feel good about riding. And she probably maybe may need to get a different bike. It's totally going to depend on how she does in our class. And so my feedback was because she bought an old 81 Honda CX500. It's a 500-pound twin. Um, it's pretty heavy. Sorry, it's a 500cc twin. It sounds like it's also about 500 pounds. Um, it's probably too heavy for her just in terms of feel and weight distribution. But the fact that she has no experience and she doesn't have proper training are just compounding her issues because she's dropping it so much because she doesn't have throttle control or brake control or clutch control or balance or any any of the things you really need to go up the ladder and and ride a heavier, taller bike. So we'll post a, a little link to her on that. Um, any,
0: yeah, the CX500 is actually the model where it's like an engine like the Goozies. Mm hmm. It's probably. Yeah, so it's Not probably. Quite awkward, but be.
1: It's probably a little top heavy too. You know, if it's about 500 pounds. Um, huh. So, I mean, who knows? It everybody's different. Some people can learn on bigger, heavier bikes, some people can't. But the fact that she's lacking formal, any formal training is is making it hard on her as well. And she just needs to ride something to boost her confidence. And I, the tr- class will definitely do that for you because the bikes are smaller and she'll probably breeze through the class and, you know, probably pick up some skills that'll help her handle the the bigger bike.
0: Yeah, I mean, the older the bikes are, the more dead weight they have on them. I mean, mm-hmm. more more recent models are typically streamlined for, for weight, yep. with exception to cruisers, because they're just heavy. But um, yeah, like today's CX500 would definitely not probably weigh as much as it does.
1: Very true. It, no, totally. Like even a CB500F, I think those are the newer kind of more st- like sport tour yeah, but-
0: The FX, and Mm -hmm. there's like three different uh, platforms for one engine.
1: They probably weigh 400 pounds. They're probably like 100 bucks lighter by now. Um, But she hasn't had any confidence instilled in her because she hasn't uh, learned in an environment to allow that to happen. She hasn't putted around on 150cc bikes and, you know, nailed stopping and starting and clutch and shift and cornering and all these different exercises to really build her confidence to tell her, yes, you can do this because you don't need to be six foot tall and 300 pounds to ride a motorcycle. It's just not necessary. And uh, I'm a prime example of that actually i just i also updated my um my quote short motorcycle list which i know is really misleading because <laughs> i know people are searching for bikes for short people and they and they jump on my page expecting a long list of really small bikes but it's not it's <laughs> sadly bikes that are really tall and too tall for me but um that i've been really lucky enough to test ride and um, even though they're not all bikes i've owned I mean, I haven't owned 30 different or 23 different bikes, but I've thrown my leg over a lot of them. And my last one was a stock 2009 versus 650. And that has a 30, I think 33 inch seat height. I want to say 33 and a half, something like that. 32, 33. Um, and it weighs like 450. It's tall too, like really top heavy, um, but really tall to where when I put my left foot down, I kept hitting the foot peg. So it was in my way when I put my foot down on the ground. So then I would like, I'd hit it and then I would have to move my foot again so that I could get it on the ground. And so I only got my toe down. Um, I just got lucky I didn't drop in.
0: <laughs> and have then, you ever Have you ever ridden a Goldwing? You've ridden um, on one, but have you ever ridden one?
1: I haven't driven one, no. I've been on, I've sat on one. They're low. They are crazy yeah. low. Yeah, those are those would be easy to ride compared to the Versus, because the foot peg position on this is just in the wrong place. It's it's not placed for a little person. It's definitely placed for someone who's like five ten, which is what my boss is. That was his bike. He's almost six foot tall. So um, I'm definitely too short for it. But I just I needed a bike in a pinch a few weeks ago when I went to pick up my bike. Mm-hmm. and he let me take it home really fast so it was really I was like why not I I haven't ridden one sure I'm happy to take it for a spin so I rode all the way home and then I rode it back um the the real hurdle on that bike was I I could absolutely not park it on it so I had to stop put the side stand down which definitely took a little bit of it took a hop too cuz I could not get both feet down so I could only get my left toe down and I barely got my left toe down to get the um, side stand out and then <laughs> I had to jump off and, and park it. But, um, I, you know, you don't need to be a bodybuilder or a weightlifter to ride a big bike. It's just not true. And it's something that this girl and if you're in that, you know, in in, that, in the same boat, you will absolutely get there. Just give it some time and get some training. Um. Oh, and so speaking of self-confidence. Um do you have any issues after your last accident riding again?
0: No, not at all. I might have issues riding in the dirt. <laughs> Just being on know. on the BMW and hitting the dirt. Like I've I've been after um you know, I probably get a little squeamish when I pull off the side of the road just because I can't actually remember what it was that made me crash the last time, and I was in such like a it was so silly I mean I know it's not um totally paralyzing to like oh God, dirt, but uh I am just a little more cautious because it was something silly and stupid, whatever it was I did and i and I can't remember because I have no mm. recollection, no short term memory of it, so I tend uh-huh. to be a little bit more like outriggers down and not as uh not as um Crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still in the process of putting that little two stroker back together, and when that gets going, um, I think it'll be a a good boost for me to uh get more confident on that. So,
1: I forgot you had that, so it's not writing, it's not writable right now.
0: No, I've taken it apart, Mm. and then now that uh, his garage is starting to look more like a garage, well, we're probably gonna really take it apart so that way things Mm. are. ...nice instead of just kind of half-assed.
1: Is that a street legal one?
0: No, sadly it's not. Okay. So,
1: It's something that's... you're going to trailer out and do some actual off Yeah,
0: on. yeah, I really wish, wish, wish that it was, but no. Hmm.
1: Yeah, today was my first long ride um, since our accident, because he just got his bike back on Thursday. So, it had been in the shop for two weeks... Or three weeks, um, a week and a half to wait for parts. And then when the parts came in, they just got really busy and they couldn't work on the bike for a couple weeks. So we just went riding today. And that actually, today is my first ride outside of the city limits. Because until now, I've just been riding around town or riding like five miles north of the city or maybe five miles south, but not like Day riding or anything like that, and so we did about a thirty No, I mean not that many miles. Um, something like that, like one hundred and twenty miles or something round trip. We just went up to get ice cream along Delaware River. It's this cute little general store, and you can get coffee, fresh coffee, and um, ice ice coffee, and ice cream, and and sandwiches. So we got lunch, got some ice cream, but um, definitely like realized how much uh how much joy has been ripped out of my body from uh well f- from riding I mean from not riding I guess but mainly because of this accident because it's huh it it's killed my confidence in corners which is the only place I really ha- that I've had any I mean it's not to say I didn't have any room for more, but I—I I mean, I had a lot, and um, now I just have none. I mean, I—I I have a little. It's—it's it's not totally gone, but it's—it's it's just dropped way back down to where I was. I feel like before, on a scale of one to ten, ten being really confident, I'm—I was like at an eight, a seven and a half, somewhere like that, like a seven. Now I'm like at a three.
0: So like I think what two. you need is a track day.
1: A track day would help, but I also am not in the mood for wrecking this bike. God forbid, and then not having something to ride.
0: Oh, sure, a track day, not on that bike.
1: I yeah, I wish I had something like that, maybe. But it's not even—I, it's not even uh, confidence in my ability. It's confidence so much in the corner itself. Like, yeah,
0: you're just being overcautious. You're not. It's not yeah. that you don't know how to take a turn. It's that you can't trust what's what you can't see. And so you're uh, I think, you know, just Which Yeah, makes exactly. Sense.
1: Right. And I mean, I'm not but I'm not even I mean, our ride today was really really scenic. Like mm-hmm. I think we went up uh 309 and then 202. And these are made fairly big thoroughfares. They're not They're like mini highways. They're not um twisties or anything like that. The river is, but ever so slightly. I mean, people here will call them very twisty, but they're just not. They're very, 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 very scenic.
0: I think the more you get out and ride post-accident, yes. the better it's going to be for you. There's no amount of like logic that anyone who's armchair listening right now that can say, well, Joanne, if you were to think about all the corners you've turned in your entire riding career and you've only fallen yeah. in one, I mean, do the math. It's yeah, it's just you going out there and retrusting the ground again, you know it's just like getting yep. getting being what? in a relationship and getting cheated on and never wanting to trust <laughs> another person again same well, thing what makes but it, with the bike? <laughs> what makes it
1: worse is how crappy some of these roads are uh, part of this this state just has the worst does crappy roads they're not paved well they're not kept together. Some areas are, like the western part of the state, the roads are actually pristine, but the closer to Philadelphia you get, the roads are just crap. And there's gravel and, you know, potholes and, and nothing's really smooth, so that, that is also making it really hard. But it is definitely um, a matter of going out and, and riding again, or riding constantly to, to get over that, um, that hump. And, um, I've had it before. I mean, I had it on my last accident when I was rear-ended at the stoplight, but it was different because I, it didn't affect my riding, my actual riding. It just affected intersections more, more so. Like I was constantly looking, checking my mirrors way more often. Now I still do as a result as well. I'm always checking my mirrors behind me when I stop, um, just to triple check. Even in the car, I'll check behind me just to make sure no one's missing the lights. But, um. In, you know, the fact that it's it's hitting me in the one place that I really love riding. I mean, that's, for me, my most favorite aspect of riding is cornering. That's what I want to do all the time. I don't want to ride on the highway. I don't want to, you know, ride on the interstates. I, I don't want to ride around town. I just want to ride in twisties. That's all I want to do. And now I feel like all the, just everything I wanted to do there is just... It's like i have i feel like i have very little motivation to ride there now or i just i'm just going really like really slow like sorry i know this is going to be offensive but cruiser slow like really slow i mean I'm, i'm not even really leaning very much like i'm leaning as minimally as possible
0: so basically yep. like me for the first 7 years <laughs> of my riding experience, right? Yeah, I pretty
1: much I've pretty much stepped back in time to when I had that crappy Kawasaki that I hated because that's how I rode that bike because it was not confidence instilling. It was just a terrible bike for me, so it didn't it didn't encourage me at all to ride better or lean or do anything and that was I feel like I'm about 8 years back now or like 7 years. Yeah. Back. So it sucks. But what I want to plan a lot
0: of great trips outside of Philly, <laughs> I do, and you will get your riding mojo right back.
1: Well, I have a I'm going to deals gap in September. So I better have it back by then because I have well, to go yeah. to that.
0: But you and um, Evan, you know, take like a day trip where you're stepping outside of the city and get some I have and...
1: stuff planned in three weeks. There you go. So I'm not avoiding it. I mean, I have a ride planned on Sunday, actually with my meetup group. Um, it's a sh- little short 100 mile ride. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm I, just
0: saying because you'd said that the local roads kind of make you, you know, lose your yeah. mojo a little bit. Hell yeah. Get outside of the city and and remember what it's like to, you know, really love everything again.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, that's why I don't really ride to work every day. I ride to work like once a week if I feel like it. It's only five miles. It's just not, it's only 10 minutes, 15 minutes to ride to work. So I don't even ride every day because it's boring. It's really boring. It's freeway for 10 minutes and then the Navy Yard for five. But um, no, I, I have trips planned. And so that's really what I'm going to do is is ride more. So, um, you know, if you have anxieties about, uh, about riding post-accident, and your accident also, of course, might be way more severe than what I went through because I didn't go to the hospital. I don't have brain trauma or head trauma or anything like that Um, but certainly like easing back in is um, is helpful Um, so I'm yeah I'm definitely gonna go right on Sunday and um, just try to what I'm trying to do also is just make sure that I'm writing in a state of mind that is not panic-ridden because it's a balance I feel like if you're so traumatized that you're panicking and having like panic attacks or you can't you know socialize or you're having trouble breathing then no i think that's probably not a good time to try and get over any trauma you have on the road that's not me though thank god i'm not at that state because otherwise I would not be riding because I think that's Okay because right
0: now when you're talking about it your voice cracked a little bit. So. Well,
1: I I I feel horrible for people who have that kind of trauma because luckily yeah. mine's not like that. It's more it's more nervousness for me and just confidence. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm going to die or I'm crying in my helmet. It's mm. it's not that bad yet.
0: Who knows? Yeah, it, I was going to point be. out that you know you got back on your bike so it's awesome. Yes.
1: So I'm not that far gone. I just You're
0: past the first hurdle, which I is the hardest one.
1: Yeah, I feel for people though, who have more traumatic injury and stress, uh-huh. and they can't. So I definitely am not advocating that for you if you're at that level. But if it's if you're just more at more of like a nervous level, I I'm not saying everybody should get back on immediately. For me, I know my limits and I know where to draw my lines. So. Uh, for me my judgment call is pretty sound so you certainly have to decide what that is for yourself because it's not the same for everybody but um, I, I will say that the only way to get over it is to do it and that's that's pretty much for me how I've lived my motorcycle life um, it started when I rode the scooter when I first started riding that scooter I hated it I was scared of it even after I could oh I didn't have training yet Uh, This is way back when before I knew better. So scooter riding, I didn't I forced myself to kind of get on and figure it out and learn it. And I did and I and I got over got over my fear of that doing that. And then with the our first motorcycle, I got training. But even after that, my confidence wasn't amazing. And I just forced myself to practice on it and, and ride it every day. And I think it's really more pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, but not into the panic zone.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you're, if you're paralyzed with fear on the side of the road, you've probably gone too far, but (laughs) if you're kind of (laughs) nervous going around a corner, you know, you're, you're right about where you should be, you know, it's, it's basically the way I've always taken life and, and on a very, uh, much easier way to describe it is if you're going to go into a very cold swimming pool, I don't sit there and put like one toe in and very gradually get in. I just like fucking cannonball.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yes. Take it all at once and just, yay! instead of like the very slow, like, you know, the very slow pull of the bandaid.
1: Yep. Yes. That's pretty much. And that's pretty much was today for me. It was just, I just has got to go ride. I'll, I'll be fine. I'm not going 80. You know, these are easy roads. They're not technical. I didn't go on any kind of crazy technical roads. They were actually, it was actually a very scenic, beautiful ride along the river because it's just, it's a windy river, but it's not crazy. And the speed limits are like 35 or 40 because there's houses there and there's cute little towns with antique shops and coffee shops. And so it was the perfect environment to, um, to go ahead and, and, uh, And get myself out there. But it was just a little, it just sucked. That's all. It just was a total bummer. I'm like, I'm not enjoying myself anywhere near what I thought I would be, you know, for today. Because I really want to go riding. It just, you know, it just didn't pan out exactly the way I wanted it to. But um, if you're going through that, hang in there. It gets better. But don't avoid it. Try to confront it. And do whatever you have to do to, to get back on that's where you want to be
0: um and if you're really interested in chasing speed you're gonna be pretty sad that the uh uh, scta has canceled bonneville speed week once again oh (laughs) as an interesting segue from oh slow cornering to uh super fast on salt there is not enough salt on the actual bonneville salt flats oh So for the second year in a row, last time, because the water was pooling and uh, there wasn't any, I think it was because it was wet, right? Last year was wet. This year it's dry, but there's uh, a very thin salt layer and wet muddy conditions. And sadly, that's uh, that's a bit of an issue.
1: Mm, That is a bummer. Oh, speaking of events... Um, let's do a little super bike update. You have to tell us all about your ride up there, or your trip up there, excuse me, and, and how that went. Cause
0: we didn't yeah. So that was, uh, I was doing a straight shot up there mm-hmm. because I knew that I was heading back down with a group that was going to take their time and go through the Fort Hunter Liggett area that I always like to crisscross around. Yes. So there's a military base, yeah. an active military installation, And you got to really keep your eyes open if you're hitting that from the uh, 1 south Big Sur side. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, you can either go north on the 101 or go south on the 1 and hit the two points. But basically, long story short, it's right around on the 101 where, is it Mission San Miguel? Right around that area Mm -hmm. is where you catch a piece of it. And you take this road that goes through the Fort Hunter-Liggett base and lots and lots of twisties. There's like some oak groves. I think they are oak trees, Um, you know, goes around some campgrounds. You go pretty high up there. Um, Mm -hmm. You basically summit the mountains, the coastal ranges that are uh, off of PCH, um, right in the Big Sur Lucia area. So you go high up right away when you're coming over from Big Sur and then you kind of drop back down. But anyway, it's really nice and scenic and mm-hmm. for the most part it's quiet until someone on a on a two stroke in like arrow stitch gear like comes right up <laughs> on your on your nine of all things. We're both heading the same way. I took a turn wide and I saw his friend on a vintage Honda in my rear view. And so I just kind of pulled over tight all the way to the right and flagged him on with my hand. Mm -hmm. I didn't see him anywhere. And it's not like when I rock out, my volume is that loud that I can't hear a two stroke come up behind me. But this guy comes up and I heard something that sounded like, um, the wind just like a whoosh. (laughs) And I look on side of me and literally there is one foot between where the, where i am and where the road ends and goes over the side and this guy is right behind me and i'm like really you're gonna pass me without me noticing you and it's only us two on the road like you've got to be kidding me.
1: were you on the twisty part of Nacimiento, like on the mountain
0: uh, on the one I way was coming down and it was eh, it was a little bit wider than one way but yeah it's the kind of dicey road that goes in yeah, by the campgrounds it's one and you've got trees. lane yeah more or less yeah that's not yeah. nice this guy was passing me, coming up from behind me. I mean, he could have just, you know... I look. I, I always uh, keep my eyeballs posted yep. backwards. You know, when I, when I know that there are groups of riders, we were the only ones for the longest time because we rode back on Monday. So we didn't see a whole lot of people. But, yeah, this guy basically passed me and then did some other D-bag maneuver for the Yamaha guys. And they were just like, yeah, um, am nice glad too. nothing happened to you. But, uh, so my ride down cool and uh we were very tired the whole weekend i was up at like seven o'clock and we were at the track by like Gross. nine o'clock oh uh whereas i would prefer just kind of roll out of bed and show up at maybe 11 yes <laughs> and miss like probably 30 percent of the morning um but yeah. uh i would say it was probably 85 or 90 and i'm riding on the 101 and right around Paso Robles, I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I had to pull over and get coffee. Hmm. I, I made a, a, a great sounding choice for a solid lunch. And that, was, that lunch was like a, a one-way ticket to food coma. I just wanted to curl up on the side of the road and like take a nap for a while. It was hmm. like a grilled cheese and tomato soup, hmm. except the grilled cheese had like pork belly in it. And it was delicious, Ooh. but a little much, a little bit of an ask for a hot day and, and a big lunch. So I was ready to take a nap, had to pound some coffee on the way back down because I was literally riding and falling asleep. I didn't think that was possible. Nice. But if you're on a straight highway, I mean, I guess that can happen. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I'd be falling asleep on twisties, but I was definitely not enough on the straightaway. So, um the ride home, uneventful, thankfully. The ride up, also uneventful. Uh, got up to the hotel, took a nap, went and hung out with the boys. Um, Saturday and Sunday, I was there at the track watching Moto America. And I have to say, uh, Hayes, uh, Josh Hayes and Cameron Boubier, both of them are on Yamaha's, R1's. And they... They, their season for Moto America right now is very similar to what Moto GP with Marquez and and Ross. Well, not so much Rossi since Rossi was much further back in the pack. But but how Marquez was last year. It's like oh, Hold on, let me reorient my watch. Marquez is winning again, and he's got a giant lead. Like it's just you know a no brainer. It's it's happening every race. So <laughs> Cam and and um, Josh are one and two every race. One and two. One and two. And so. This very last race on Sunday was probably the most interesting. My little Siri thing's also acting up, by the way. So apologies <laughs> if you hear her like try to talk and chime in. Um, probably one of the most interesting because they were literally, uh, Josh was in the third spot and it was Roger Hayden and mm-hmm. Cam and just neck and neck, like every turn. And we were watching inside a, a, a bar like a little bar that was serving firestone in the actual paddock on television so we could see the whole thing as opposed to standing out and seeing one turn and it was just really neat these i mean i'm sitting there and all the guys from yamaha are like oh 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 and making all this noise and like screaming and so it was really um quite exciting for what a moto america race would typically be as far as those two usually having a lead and Hayes came in third and cam came in first and uh, Hayden came in second. but um, yeah it was uh, that was a really great race. Um, it did not start so great with uh, with the accident that happened. I was at one end of the track. so I did not see anything or really know what was involved except there was a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make any announcements other than that there was an accident and there were a couple riders involved. And literally, we looked and saw right about, like, we were we were in the tower, which is right above where it happened. Mm-hmm. And we left the tower to go watch the last, uh, to start packing up and watch the last race from the paddock. And so when we heard something, um, one of the, the guys um, actually said, oh, shit, in the commentary booth. And we turned around and looked where the start was, and there was just a huge dust cloud. So basically, um, both of those guys, there were five people involved. Uh, I believe three the three lesser injured folks did not go to the hospital. Not entirely sure on that one. But the two that, that were severely injured who later passed away, both uh, from Spain, um, one was airlifted and the other was taken locally. So a hospital in Monterey versus a hospital in Salinas. So that we didn't hear about until 11.30 when someone started filling up uh, all the Twitter feed and text messages and whatnot. So it's, it's always very unsettling, when you're at an event like that and something like that happens like I think unsettling is probably putting it lightly but I mean it just hits close to home because we're all motorcyclists I mean I don't race and so for me I think it's a little I didn't I didn't know either of these guys I didn't meet Mm -hmm. them when I was at the track but it's always incredibly tragic and Mm -hmm. very scary as a motorcyclist just being around someone else that crashes and for anyone who races, it's even more scary because it happened during the start. And it was a totally, you know, stuff happens. Your bike stalls. They all took off from the grid. And you know, when you're taking off from the grid, you know, whole shot. You want to be the first one out there. You're jamming your full open throttle. And um, this guy's bike stalled. And the procedure is that when your bike stalls, you're supposed to shoot your hand up. Mm-hmm. so that people will see you and because that race was the last one maybe you know everyone's full of energy didn't see him mm. and that's what started that whole chain reaction is no. that the the S1000RR was stalled and uh people hit him and you know everything else happened but um I think that kind of affects people who race more mm-hmm. because they're actually in that physical situation I mean if if I was out with you riding that corner and what happened to you i was exposed to i would probably be really nervous going around corners and i would always think about that well i don't necessarily think about what happens when i'm starting off the grid and and you know an accident but someone else who is going to be in that situation that's racing is going to be thinking about that and so Mm -hmm. i think the people that i was with were more deeply affected by that we'll
1: post a link to the story about that um and the news coverage, if you follow World Superbike, but it's it's not common that racers die, let alone two in a race. That's, that's pretty rare. Um, in the
0: same crash in the last two.
1: Yeah, people don't die every time there's a motorcycle race. It happens very, very infrequently now, more so now certainly than like 30 years ago. Um, because of technology because of gear because tracks are safer now there's more runoff tracks are better are put together better they do a lot more things for rider safety so when two riders die in one race that's like totally uh, one in a million you know not expected and certainly like totally um, just one of the most remote um, possibilities you know in a race so racing can be dangerous but it's not often fatal so definitely um at least for those of us who follow racing a little bit and actually pay you know we uh we like to see what's going on we certainly feel for them so Uh, we'll we'll post a link to that and you can you can catch up on, on superbike stories as well Other than that, I don't have any other stories to share. I, um, what do you got? Are you typing furiously? <laughs> what you
0: I know. <laughs> Sorry if you hear my fingers hitting the keys uh, during any point in this podcast. You're trying to keep up with all of our notes. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, by the way, uh, whenever we record a podcast, most of you guys are on Stitcher or on iTunes, and it automatically comes up and you listen to it. Every week, we have accompanying show notes. So if you're driving or you're riding or whatever circumstance you're in and you hear us talk about something, oh, 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 shoot, what was the name of that? Damn, I don't want to listen to this whole 45 minutes all over again to figure it out. We will most likely have it on our website. So that's moTerific.com. Terrific as in awesome. Yes, badass, terrific, but with an MO in front of it. And every time we post a new episode we also post show notes to accompany that. So that was the reason why my fingers were clicking keys. There is a recall that was filed at the end of June for a couple different Yamaha models, uh, certain year WR250X hmm. and WR250R, more or less, from 2008 to 2015. And there is... a. Uh, Some component, the insulation on the stator coil that's within the alternator may become damaged and short-circuit due to Mm. insufficient heat resistance. So um, this recall, you probably want to get on uh, right away and call your local dealer and find out when you can bring your, uh, your... 250x or 250r in for service so they can replace that component. Also, we touched upon really briefly that uh Energica, the uh the Ego Superbike that's Italian made electric will be offered at Hollywood Electrics. So Hollywood Electrics is a local dealer out in Southern California in Hollywood specifically, and I believe they're on Fairfax. I've been to their dealership once. Hmm. Um Right around Fairfax and Melrose. And they carry the Zero brand. I do believe they carry Bramo as well. Mm-hmm. And they also now carry uh, Enerhika. So mm-hmm. if you happen to be interested in checking out a an array of electric bikes, that would be the first place I would recommend stopping because they have amassed a little bit of a variety. And then I guess the only other thing I have to talk about is tomorrow, a group of veteran uh, injured, wounded and severely injured veterans, Mm -hmm. also motorcyclists, will be taking off from Southern California on the uh, Veterans Charity Ride, which will depart L.A. and head up to Sturgis. They leave on the 27th, um, which is Monday. You guys may or may not be listening to the podcast the same day I'm doing the ride. And they will be arriving in Sturgis, what did they say, August 2nd. So that's uh, more or less about a week's worth of riding through some really gorgeous terrain. Uh, Vegas is their first stop. And then they spend uh, six days riding through back roads, hitting Zion and Bryce, and lots of parks in uh, Utah. And then from Utah, they'll head through the Colorado National Monument and come up through Medicine Bow National Forest in Wyoming up to arrival at Sturgis, and then they'll be up at Sturgis participating in all those activities for the week. So I am departing with them from Southern California and just as a kind of uh, show of support, I will be heading out towards Barstow. So probably the worst and ugliest part of their journey, I will be on. Barstow. <laughs> so we'll leave we'll leave L.A. tomorrow morning. I will head out with them to their lunch break in Barstow. And then I will turn around and head back while they continue to press on to Vegas. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it'll be total suffering. And uh, oh well. Um, something else that, that happened that I guess it's worthy of me mentioning. I tried to take my bike in to get serviced because Mm -hmm. the, something is up with the taillight or brake light. Um, my bike, that's both. Uh, it's very dim. Hmm. So the reason why I was so jazzed to get it back into the dealership was to, I don't know, get it fixed so that when I come back from Barstow, people actually know when I'm slowing down and braking, so that didn't happen. So I will be doing tomorrow's ride, oh. um, making sure that I am well well aware of the fact that no one knows I am slowing down and ride accordingly. So make sure that I am quite far away and don't have any tailgaters and don't have anyone following closely. And if I'm in any kind of situation where I can lane split, lane splitting in that regard would be the most uh, the most safe for me. Well,
1: you could always exactly. upgrade your taillight system.
0: I could upgrade my tail light <laughs> system, and this makes an excellent segue by the way the the veterans charity ride is sponsored by Indian motorcycle, so uh look forward to hearing about my three two or three hours of hanging out with some vets and uh and riding the gnarliest and least attractive stretch of California um Nice segue to the taillight section that our friend cam arnold was telling us about so one of our listeners over at the mic the motorcycle industry council has taken an epic little journey of her own with her husband up to alaska Mm -hmm. and she is on i think a same bike as me or Mm -hmm. maybe it's a single cylinder i want to say it's the twin Mm -hmm. uh twin 650 gs And she's actually someone who recommended tires, but I went a different way. But um, at any rate, she also listens to the podcast, bless her, and she had a recommendation on a a brake light um, attachment. So it's a a brake light modulator, but it reaches out through the license plate. Is that how that goes? You said that um, Revzilla carries it. Yes. Oh,
1: God, and the name is escaping me name of this fun product i wa- i kind of want it for my bike so i'm considering swapping out my fancy Rizoma tail light um light and putting this in because i like the idea of it uh let me see if i can pull it up i actually lost that email that she sent us do you have that i don't remember i think she sent it to both
0: of us yes
1: and it was um
0: Fast, furious, and looking it up. This
1: product is basically a little cover you put over your license plate. It's a license plate cover, but it has really cool indicator lights on it. And my understanding is that the lights flash accordingly when you're downshifting and slowing. Um, So somehow it senses that you're coming to a stop, you're slowing down, you're downshifting out of a higher gear into a lower gear, and then it flashes um, a series of lights based on that. I need to figure out how to um, make that work on my vehicle. It doesn't seem very difficult to install, actually. Ah,
0: okay, so this is important. Folo. Yeah, engine, engine braking, downshifting, or using the brake levers. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me, I actually probably do the majority of my braking unless it's a serious uh serious need to stop engine braking yep yep. that's really common for me like i that's why my brakes last so long but um no one can tell if you're in a car you're probably not so in tune with how close you are that someone Mm -hmm. is engine braking because there are no lights or any kind of uh Key, other than the fact that you suddenly notice that you're getting closer, 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 and hopefully not mm-hmm. so close that you figured out, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I am actually curious about this. I've missed having a brake light modulator. I used to have, hmm. uh, I think it was about 45 bucks. I think I got it from Motorcycle Superstore. I don't recall the name of it, but um, different different device. But it was, you tapped into the wiring harness. It was on my Kawasaki... Vulcan Mm -hmm. the tiny 500 Vulcan and whenever I hit the brake it would flash so it would definitely add way more excitement to your braking light than just one solid red
1: yep oh the product name of this is the Volo lights brakeless deceleration indicator so it has nothing to do with your brake lights it has everything to do with your deceleration so before you hit your brakes or just like Christy said you're not using your brakes well, right. both.
0: It's tied to both. Oh, tied to so both. It, okay. Duh. It signals engine braking, downshifting, or using brake levers. Oh, so breaking. it's, it's not sense. only just tied to the brake light, as most brake light modulators are, it's also mm-hmm. tied to actual engine-like performance, I guess, if you
1: will. Oh, it, and it looks like it does it via a three-axis accelerometer. So it's using science. <laughs> it's using physics and science, which I'm not so not good at. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it says it's license plate frame mounting so it's not some crazy wiring and there's there's instructions as well it's about seven inches wide by four inches high so it's not crazy big and it says that everything you need for installation and calibration is included in the box Um, so it's not anything terribly difficult certainly something you want to ask your mechanic about if you want to add that onto your um onto your bike but i'm i am considering it i love the idea of that and i Given how horrible Philadelphia drivers are here, I really and love that.
0: I should point out that if you're like me and you have a vanity plate, which someone actually just mentioned, hey, I yes. came up behind you on the freeway the other day and I looked <laughs> up who you were. Um, if you have a vanity plate on your license plate, have no fear, because the hundred and thirty dollars that is the standard attachment for this volo light product which is basically yeah what what joanne said a license plate frame where there's a light above and below the plate there is also a product that is um unrelated to having the license plate frame cover and it ties into your brakes so the there's the plate cover that's 130 and then the um not plate cover that ties into your existing electrical that is 120 so ten dollars less you can still keep your vanity plate which is exactly what i want
1: well me too um well i mean the other thing is just a cover so it would go over your vanity plate but it might i guess it might hide part of it i don't know
0: i would No, it'll replace the vanity plate what? That's replacement altogether. Not the plate, but the I I don't have a vanity plate, I'm sorry. Frame. I have a vanity license plate frame. Frame.
1: Oh, frame. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Got yeah, it. Yeah, I don't have
0: ADV got us on my license plate. Oh, but yet. if I want to
1: keep my Rizoma my Rizoma uh license plate light. It's just a little mm-hmm. accent light it, like it shines the license plate so people mm-hmm. can see it. So I want to keep it. It illuminates your chick. Yes, then I could buy the under seat module because then it taps into my braking system. Ooh, that's really cool. But I've decided to accelerate another add-on to my vehicle. I'm I'm going to highly prioritize um, a exhaust, a low mount exhaust. Mm -hmm. I have decided that the heat that is coming off of my dual high mount pipes under my seat is it's, my ass is on fire <laughs> all the time. It is blowing hot air. And anything I can do to just drop that down, I know it won't eliminate it, but it'll remove some of the heat. I'm going to, I want to, I think, find a small, lightweight exhaust that's not a an undertail anymore because now I've got two big, high pipes. So moving those down should drop the weight a little bit and then hopefully remove some of the hot oven. 'Cause that bike is so hot. It's I've never ridden a bike with that much power and so it's when it's running it's it's just generating so much heat and um somebody else upgraded his exhaust to a small carbon fiber low mount and he dropped ten oh. pounds. Ten pounds going from wow. the dual undertail to a low carbon fiber shorty. Um so he dropped about ten, fifteen pounds and then he's gonna play with some engine mapping or something like that to I don't know, I guess, tune it correctly or whatever. But I'm like, oh, I want that. I want <laughs> I want less weight and less heat. So I'm going to work on that, I think. It's my next... Saving up for my next upgrade. That's all I got.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have as well.
1: Hopefully this time we'll have a much smoother episode for you. Um, my internet is working. So... Thank you for spending time with us for 69, 69. We will see you for the big seven O in two weeks until then. We hope that you will ride safely rubber side down, shiny side up, and we will definitely see you back soon. In the meantime, please find us at motorific.com. Drop an email to motorific at gmail.com or on the website and then of course on our facebook page facebook.com/motorificpodcast and then you can always find us in the twitterverse as Gearchick and adb goddess so until then we will talk to you later thanks for listening